can't hand you a business plan, but we can make you business wise. So sit back and learn to make stacks with the octopus of enterprise. Hi, Diana here, and today, yes, you guessed it, you find me here at the deck. My first day back here, actually, after taking a wonderful couple of weeks off, followed by a conference, which was by the sea, so I had a swim, and a week of planning with the team. Very new pencil case feeling, that's what I've got today. But anyway, before we hopefully all took a bit of a break over the summer, I had the amazing duo Ashwin Sital and Becky Valentine on the podcast to talk about innovation from the perspective of female entrepreneurs. And in that episode, if you remember, I mentioned that we would maybe continue this strand of innovation in some of our future episodes. Well, today's the day. Here's one of them where we plan to talk about innovation in the form of space. So, like always, I got together with a couple of innovation experts, and this is what they had to say. So today I'm continuing our exploration of innovation in business. And as I mentioned in the introduction, we'll be focusing on the relationship between space and innovation, investigating different kinds of space, physical, intangible, in relation to innovation, as well as the important role space plays in a creative, innovative process. And who better to discuss this with than Stephen Dobson, Associate Professor in Creativity and Enterprise at the University of Leeds, and Sophie Kavanagh, Strategy and Innovation Consultant at PwC. Welcome both. Welcome to the Octopus of Enterprise. How are you both doing today? Very well, thank you. Yes, great. Thanks, Diana. Wonderful. Before we get down to all things innovation and space, I thought it'd be good to ask both of you, what's your ideal space setup? What's the space you create for it like? And I have to say, producer Henry, she could be in any place, but if you give her a chair with arms, that's really restrictive for her creativity. She doesn't like a chair with arms. <laughs> what about you? Um, well, I guess I actually like to move around quite a lot. So lockdown was particularly difficult for me because um, I don't particularly have one space, which is ideal. I tend to like to move from the office to a coffee shop, walk through a park, busy high street, a different coffee shop. And I just like to move around and just, I guess, just to um, have different kinds of stimuli. So uh, however much I set up my office space to be perfect, um, I can only ever spend probably about you know, 40 minutes in that one space. And then I feel the need to sort of go for a walk, move around, move into a different position. So I think I'm probably high maintenance in that respect. Oh, I don't know. I like a space depending on what I'm doing. So what's been great now we've got a fantastic shiny new enterprise centre is that it does have different spaces in different places. And I'm finding I'm less likely to be tied to an office desk in the way that I used to be. Lovely though our desks are, but I do tend to move around. We've got a beautiful deck, which actually you can sit outside so fresh air sometimes stimulates me and like you Stephen I really like to walk around and think as well so you know they say horses for courses but for me it's spaces for I don't know there isn't a <laughs> adage for that but sometimes it's incidental isn't it that the thinking happens when you're doing something else and that's your unconscious mind kind of getting on with it when you're not really bothering about it. Absolutely and I think my um the theme that connects all the places that I sort of like to think innovatively and think differently is sort of concentrating in sort of surrounded by chaos. And I tried to replicate that 
um, with hybrid working, going to coffee shops and again, sort of sitting to myself in the corner, getting into my concentration zone, but, you know, utter chaos around. You take your head out and it's just, you know, coffee machine blaring. Um, my newest uh, space to think is I've taken up swimming before work in the morning. Um, and that's often where I have my most reflective constructive thinking time again surrounded by the chaos of other swimmers do you have a notepad that's waterproof so that you know if you come up with a brilliant idea that you can jot it down in between lengths i think that's an innovation we need to create what i end up doing <laughs> just dashing back to the locker putting a note on my phone before i forget it i'm sure it probably exists but if it doesn't you heard it here first and sophie and Stephen and i are going to get the ip from that <laughs> okay we've we've explored our spaces I guess now I want to look at the thing about space being that important factor and thinking about how spaces are used to enhance the process. And I know that, Sophie, you've been creating spaces for businesses that are virtual spaces where people can get together and innovate. So I want to look at that a bit and then also delve a bit deeper into that relationship of space and innovation. Yeah, that's definitely one aspect of it, Diana. And I think space is a very juicy concept because it can mean so many different things at different levels. And absolutely, part of what we do is we have a digital platform, um, SaaS platform, where people can collaborate together, share ideas, a sort of a digital home for innovation. Um, but we also work with organisations to create you know, genuine physical spaces, carving out workshop spaces and kind of getting people away from their day to day. And that made me think kind of the digital tools and the physical places ultimately enable you to create a kind of headspace for innovation um, away from the norm, which enables you to think more deeply about challenging the status quo and what those norms are. Um, and also a kind of cultural space where you have sort of that sense of permission to step away into a new way of thinking, a new way of behaving. I think we mentioned in a previous innovation focused episode that you know, when you think of innovation, it's not the same as invention. And sometimes people mix the two up. But we're talking about new thinking, creative thinking, different ways of looking at things. We're not talking about rocket science necessarily, although we could do. As I said, you heard it here first on the uh, in the shower notepad. Um, <laughs> TM. Uh, <laughs> Stephen, what's your experience of creating those kind of spaces or understanding how people use them? Yeah, it's it's really interesting being in a university context because, um, you know, one of the old adages that we often hear when thinking about enterprise and innovation is this idea of failing fast and failing often. In a university context, failing is not something that the students uh, necessarily want to do. So um, it's very hard to actually create this sort of space to fail um, or, or for students to feel that it's it's OK to fail in an educational setting. So. It's quite hard to sort of think, how do students actually just play around and, you know, that precursor to innovation, that playfulness, the pursuing sort of a few dead ends or things that don't quite work out. It's really interesting that um, I work in, a, in the School of Performance and Cultural Industries at the University of Leeds, and we have um, many theatre and performance students, uh, theatre spaces, uh, rehearsal spaces. And it's very interesting when I see how arts students use rehearsal spaces and studio spaces. And you suddenly realize that for many years in the arts, failure has been a very common part of rehearsal. You know, it's a, mm. that's the whole point of rehearsal is to try something 
to improvise, to see if it works, to try something else. And you suddenly realize that actually there are very few spaces, certainly on a university campus, that enable students to rehearse and to just try things. So I'd love to see more of those sorts of spaces across campus for many other students and and indeed on the high street. That's a really interesting point about that inevitability of if you're going to come up with some new ideas, there are going to be some ideas that sort of fall by the wayside. There are some things that aren't worth continuing with. Sophie, I can see you're nodding furiously there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I really love the description there, Stephen, of sort of creating space to play. And I think failure, Mm. it's definitely not just a university problem that people are afraid to fail and where the system is set up to not really allow for failure in almost all of the organisations I've worked in. And I think we all have it as individuals. It's, It's the way we're educated and the way we work, but this fear of failing. And when you're playing a game... You know someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. When you're playing, some things go well, some things don't. And I think creating spaces that replicate or enable you to create more of that playful space and whether it's a rehearsal studio or whether, you know, just big spaces where it's not just desks, it's not just tables and chairs around a boardroom and where you create a different space. And we even, you know, we experiment sometimes with, we bring Lego in, we get people to bring ideas to life through quite literally playing with a children's toy or not necessarily just a children's toy. There's many adult fans of Lego, but um, yeah, creating these spaces to play, I think is really, really great. It sounds like adult fans of Lego just heard what you said and the police are coming to get you. (laughs) But yes, I agree. And I suppose that what we're saying here about spaces is that a space can mirror our attitudes towards work. And when we're innovating, we need those more playful, less constricting spaces so that we can have more open minded, creative attitudes. And yes, structure is good, but but you need to do that playing around before you get to the the structure that you put on it. I really agree with that. And I think in many ways, we often have these models in mind that start with creativity. And we have this kind of idea of creativity being messy, and then it funnels towards the innovation. That messiness gets refined and it becomes innovation. But the problem with that is that often even the messy creativity becomes loaded with expectation. We kind of, we know that when we're doing creativity, at some point it's expected to be productive and useful at some point. And so in many ways, it still constrains us, I think, a little bit. And I think if we're able to decouple that and just not worry about whether it's actually going to end up being something useful it is quite valuable. I was talking to um, the CEO of South Asian Arts UK, Karanjit Kaur, and she was talking about playing around the edges of the organization. And I really like that, where they were almost lost leaders of her time and resources to just play, uh, explore, experiment with possible partnerships. Um, and she knew that they might turn into something, but she knew not to load them with too much expectation. And I thought that was really valuable. Definitely. And also back to the, you know, that's about as much about creating headspace as it is physical spaces for innovation. And I think when you have a go at innovating, when you try new things, it might work, it might not. When you're exploring that creativity, whether you end up with a productive result, as long as you've had that, you know, mindset shift and you've learned to think in new ways and behave in different ways, you know, that's a hugely useful productive outcome. It doesn't always need to be sort of a yeah, tangible solution. And I think one of the things that interests me is that, Traditionally, I suppose, in organisations, particularly large organisations, they might have looked at innovation and they need it. So then they create a department for it. But what I'm exploring with some of the leaders from businesses that I'm talking to is 
innovation in people because that's where it comes from. So you don't need a department of its own. You need to kind of empower your people to have that freedom, creativity, space, whether that's literal or metaphorical, to do that playing around the edges of the organisation, which you said there, Stephen, which is brilliant. And not have the pressure of like, right, now you are innovating and you are doing this, but more that everyone has the opportunity to use their creativity, to be empowered, to just try new things and have those entrepreneurial traits come to the fore, whether they're working in a huge organisation or whether, you know, they're a one person business I think that the entrepreneurial traits is a really interesting one because, um, you know, we're talking obviously about the importance of space. And for me, the authenticity of the space, space being able to reflect your personality is really important, that you don't feel intimidated by the sorts of space that you're working in. And I think especially for a lot of creative people and culture and creative organizations, people need to feel a sense of ownership over the space, that they're wearing like a comfortable pair of shoes when they're in that space. And I think that's a, you know, a really important part of creating spaces that really support people's creativity. Um, it's really interesting speaking to musicians, for example, who can literally perform better in a space that is very much more um, familiar to them and, and comfortable. And I think many of us probably feel like that about the spaces that we work in. That's an interesting point as well, because I think when people get to grips with, oh, you know, you could support innovation by doing creative things, by doing things differently, by challenging people, by putting them out of their comfort <laughs> zones, then there is that excruciating way of doing that, which can be like, right, we're all going to now sing or we're all going to do this, whatever. <laughs> and you really just close people down because it is so far out of their comfort zone that they can't cope with it so that comfortable shoes image that you're talking <laughs> about Stephen maybe we need to have people put their comfortable shoes on but perhaps sometimes walk them a little bit beyond the space <laughs> that they're normally used to because there's a balance isn't there have you have you found any tensions in the organizations that you've been working with Sophie on space and innovation between that where the comfort zone is where the challenge point is and, and the sort of like bit in between where something interesting happens yeah absolutely and I think actually taking people out of their comfort zone intentionally is really important when it comes to innovation sort of putting them into a new space that might feel unfamiliar and different but then it enables them to think differently and you know explore things that are unfamiliar so yeah there's definitely a tension there but I think a positive one yeah I was in a similar sense I, I was working in in Vietnam um not so long ago and um in the higher education system in Vietnam, it's very siloed. So there'll be a university for the arts and a university for business and a university for engineering. And so in order to get people to work together, you are very much asking people to step outside of their comfort zone because they very much see that creativity belongs to somebody else. Creativity belongs to creative people. We were working with the uh, Vietnamese government to support the creative economy in Vietnam. And what we were trying to do is to try to get scientists and business people and economists and engineers and artists to kind of blend a little bit more. And so we did lots of workshops to um, help them play together and collaborate. Um, and it was very much um, something that they really needed kind of some support through that process, because I think if we'd have just thrown people together directly out of the comfort zone, I think it would have felt too much of a challenge. Um, for example, a scientist who would spend most of their time in the lab would suddenly feel that creativity was beyond their, you know, their experience or beyond what they've been trained to do. But over time, through playfulness and through perhaps taking both 
you know, all sets of people out of their normal space into a different space. We were able to help them build the same language, um, help them talk to each other about challenges and to give the confidence, I guess, to traditionally non-creative subjects to actually see that they did have a lot of creativity potentially in the work that they do. I love that almost uh, Venn diagram of people that you put together and then the interesting bit in the middle that happens. So one of the projects that I've worked with in the past was with teachers and artists and not trying to make either be one another's kind of discipline, but looking at that bit in the middle. Um, difficult to draw when you're on a podcast, but I'm, I'm <laughs> frantically drawing two giant circles and the, and the really interesting patch in the middle. Um, and what happened was some really interesting things in the curriculum, you know, like dancing maths and, and those kind of things or emptying a classroom and starting with a blank canvas and seeing how that worked. And that sort of experimentation, again, we're back to the playfulness, aren't we? Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting as well to create spaces where people don't pigeonhole themselves and don't silo themselves into I'm this type of person, I work in this way. Everybody is creative. If innovation is about solving problems or even just spotting problems, you don't need to have the answer to you know, start that journey towards innovation. So creating spaces and moments of connection and collaboration where people can realise that they have a lot to add and bringing groups together that become bigger than the sum of their parts and being able to come up with really interesting new ways of looking at problems. And I suppose one of the things that I missed, and I remember this during the time that we were working entirely online and I was here in my living room as I am today recording this podcast, was visual and sort of people stimulation. <laughs> I actually subscribed to loads of magazines, which I'm now trying to get myself off because I, was, <laughs> I felt like I just didn't have enough visual stimulation. Yeah, I went out and I walked the dog, but, you know, it was kind of the same streets. Then I started looking at the same streets in a different way. And I think sometimes it's about perspective. So you're talking about that mind shift, headspace shift that, just opens up possibilities. So when we're talking about innovation space, oh, there's so many different directions we could go in. But I guess a lot of people would be looking at, well, what do you mean by physical innovation space? And I know, Steve, you've been looking at derelict space and, you know, opportunities to bring up space and change space. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's interesting when we tend to have a, a quite a, a formal aesthetic in mind when we think of what a creative space should be and, and what it is. But there are many urban creative spaces that we might think of as representing antisocial behaviour. So sometimes a derelict space with a crate of wood and a, and, a, and a small piece of wood up against it to create a skateboard ramp with some graffiti behind it. You know, essentially, apart from the aesthetic, it functions exactly the same as something that we're probably a lot more comfortable with. But it's demonstrating that people are wanting to try to take a space and be able to not just consume the space, but to actually shape the space themselves. And I think that's something that we struggle with, giving those opportunities even to adults, but certainly to young people, that opportunity not just to, here's a space that you can use, but here's a space that you can shape in however you want it to be. It's really interesting, Stephen, as well, thinking about that challenge in the world of the metaverse and, you know, the continual overlap between physical and digital spaces. And as time goes on, it'll either be fantastic or dystopian or a combination <laughs> of both. But as we move into sort of these digital spaces where everyone can adapt them, build them, craft them, change them, um, I'm sure there's so many opportunities for how you can create those innovative spaces in the future. 
And Sophie, on the note of virtual spaces, I know you do a lot of work around the use of online spaces to encourage and create innovation. Would you mind telling us quickly a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, the the sort of platform we have, which is a, an innovation platform where people can share ideas, vote on other ideas, a kind of central hub for, for innovation activity. Um, and I guess what this does is, you mentioned earlier, Stephen, or, or Dana was talking about democratising space and creating a space that everyone can access and everyone can, it's sort of a level playing field for, you know, everyone can put forward an idea, everyone can share an opinion on someone else's idea, everyone can, you know, see an organisation's innovation portfolio and what people care about. Um, so that sort of digital space and something else that during the very early stages of the pandemic, my team and I were in the process of designing a, a design sprint for a company who were developing a new idea. And we were planning a five day in-person workshop, trying to find a really snazzy space that felt different from their day to day world. Um, and, you know, how could we make it feel like an immersive and exciting experience? And then uh, lockdown happened and immediately we had to think, how do we try and create a virtual space where people can collaborate and where you create the same sort of dynamic of kind of yeah connection and fun and spontaneity and, and we experimented with so many sort of collaboration tools and some worked really well but I think it's I did a degree in geography and one of the things I found really interesting is geography is all about human connection with the physical space around you but actually space becomes place when you put meaning on it um, and I think it's the how do you create meaningful places and spaces for people to work in interesting ways. Is that a bit like, you know, the tree falling in a forest when there's no one there makes no sound in a sense? <laughs> like we can create all the spaces we want, but if they're not inhabited by humans, then really what is the point of them, I guess? Yeah, it's very existential very quickly, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> it, it is a bit, yes, this is getting very deep. I mean, it is it is quite mind expanding because we could probably take it in all sorts of directions. Have either of you got a sense of like, what next? Because we've been through this weird world, as I keep calling it, of being online, which actually I could see there were benefits apart from my magazine um, subscription habit, which perhaps wasn't quite such a benefit, not to my pocket anyway. Um, you know, I went online, I sought out connections with people, I looked for new ideas. There was a point at which I was going to webinars that probably if we'd been in the ordinary space and I'd been in the ordinary office, I would never have gone to. And that gave opportunity to connect globally with people in a way that I probably never have in my entire career. So I suppose what happens now? What happens next? Have you got any sense of that? Or are you working on something? You know, what are the new innovation spaces that you're creating? What are the new playful things that you're working with? I think it's a really interesting question because um, like you, I think before the pandemic, I had international partners for lots of different research areas, but I wouldn't say that I was always online chatting to people. That wasn't my sort of regular mode of communication. I think throughout the pandemic, I guess many of us wondered whether we would be very much more virtual in what we do. But I do think that we now are much more comfortable with this kind of hybrid yeah. existence. You know, we do want that kind of personal connection. We do want that sort of tangible space. So we do want corridor conversations with our colleagues. Um, but I think we're much more comfortable now with just logging onto a meeting from a park bench, from a train and accessing webinars that we may not have accessed before, talking to colleagues in different time zones. And I do think there is that much more sense of hybrid working, perhaps. And maybe that's going back to where we started, really, which is, you know, 
the space that you use to innovate is the space that is right for the thing that you're doing and the way that you're feeling. And sometimes that might be online because that works best. And sometimes it might be physical. Um, Sophie, have you got any sneaky peeks into what PwC are up to in the innovation space and what you particularly are playing with at the moment? What we're doing is continuing to experiment when it comes to space renovation. And I think I totally agree with you, Stephen. Hybrid working is, you know, there's so many benefits to it. There's also so many challenges. There's so many moments where you try and run a workshop that's in person and virtual at the same time. And it's a it becomes a terrible experience for all involved because we're trying to make it work for everyone. And I think we've got some um, frontier spaces in many of our, our offices, which are these really brilliantly designed collaborative spaces that are built to feel different from the office space and to feel um yeah like a, a space to play and experiment and and leverage lots of interesting technologies but I think we're aware we you know we're still as all our clients are as everyone is we're still learning what works and you know post-pandemic it's not been very long that we've been in this sort of new new normal whatever that means um and I think there's a lot to learn a lot to get right and get wrong and, and try and make it work as well as we can. I think it probably goes back to what we were talking about in terms of playfulness and sometimes some of the things we just get wrong um, or some things just don't work the way we would hope them to work. But I guess that's part of the sort of trial and error of innovation that we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to try something and there's probably going to be lots of things that you try and not all of them are going to grow up into fantastic, innovative ideas. The key word for today, I think, playful. We've really opened up our minds to innovation space in lots of different ways and we could continue conversations around headspace, uh, you know, putting things in pigeonholes, swimming pools, digital spaces and many more. Sadly, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Sophie. And thank you for listening. I've been Diana Pasek-Atkinson and you've been listening to the Octopus of Enterprise. Bye.